We're so glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message from Bethel Worship Center. Uh, we pray that it blesses you wherever you are in your faith journey. Uh, we do want to let you know that we are open. Our campus is open. Uh, we invite you to go to bwccamden.com. Uh, you can find out everything that we're offering right now at this time and in this season. So make sure to, to, to go there and find the ways that you can stay up to date with everything happening at Bethel Worship Center. But again, uh, wherever you are in your faith journey, whether you are uh, exploring more about faith, learning who Jesus is, learning about God, uh, you're new in your walk with Jesus Christ, or you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, we pray that today's message blesses you, it encourages you, it equips you. So God bless you. Thank you again for taking part. As well, uh, have you ever, uh, you could, it could be through a movie, a television series, it could be a book you read. Uh, I don't read books for entertainment. I read them for learning, but uh, Jenny tells me all I read is preaching books. But, uh, but, uh, but I don't know if you've ever been, watched a movie or television series, and when you got to the end of it, you thought, really? That's how it ends? I mean, this is how this is going to end? I, you know, when I say that, a movie may come immediately to your mind. There's a lot out there, a television series. There's a lot out there that you can think of. I, there's one this morning that, that I kind of thought about while I was getting ready for this message. Uh, and uh, it's a classic. It's this movie right here. Uh, Grease. You know, maybe, you know, this is that classic. Now, listen, I know this one goes way back. It's even before my time, okay? But it's a classic. This is, you know, you got Sandy who, uh, who becomes a greaser for Danny, and you got Danny who becomes a preppy for uh, Sandy, you know? You got the whole storyline, you know, are Sandy and Danny ever going to get together? And they finally get together, and then all of a sudden this movie set in the 50s, that's a musical, becomes a sci-fi movie when they fly away in the car. What in the world is that all about? Seriously, they fly away in a car. Sorry if I gave it away. I mean, that's, if you hadn't watched it by now, I mean, goodness, that one came out in the 70s. But, uh, but yeah, so that, that's one of those that you look and you're scratching your head like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But what about one where you're involved, a character, you become so involved with the character, and then all of a sudden something happens to that character, that character dies before they see the resolution to the story that's being developed. And you're saying, really? Why did that character have to die? I really liked that person. Well, today, where we are in our passage of Scripture and where we're looking today, we're in a very similar situation where something happens in that case. Where we look and we think, really? This is how this is going to happen. And you're sitting, you're thinking, well, I'm glad I came to church today to hear that. But over, uh, over these last couple of weeks, we've been in this series, uh, How to Get Through What You're Going Through. And today is the conclusion of it. But we started it a couple of weeks ago. We said our faith goes through different levels, right? We have a new faith where we are excited. We're excited about the faith we, that we are entering into. And, it's, uh, and, and we say that we can see our prayers working. We see the benefits of following God and obeying Him. We, we have a lot of joy. We have a lot of gratitude. But then something happens in our life where that faith gets challenged. We call this that level of challenged faith. This is where fears begin to emerge. Doubts begin to arise. We wonder, are our prayers working? We wonder, is there any benefit to following God? I don't have a lot of joy. I don't have a lot of gratitude. But we said that if we can get through our challenged faith and stay strong in our challenged faith, that we can find ourselves in a place of living faith, a faith that abides in our Father, our Creator, in God. 
right? We said it's a faith that's like the, uh, the apostle of the early church, the brother of Jesus, James, said in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. We referenced this in week 1. We said, where he said, consider it pure joy whenever you face opportunity, whenever you face trials. The New Living Translation says, consider it an opportunity for joy. And why does he say that? In verse 3, he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And what happens? Let that perseverance finish its work, finish its work so that you can be mature and complete and lack nothing. So we go through those moments of challenge faith and we enter this place of living faith. It grows us. It changes us. So we said that over these last couple of weeks, we've said how we get through what we go through matters. How we respond to what we're facing can set the trajectory for us going forward. So we've been looking at the Israelites. We've been looking at their situations in, in their life. And we, we, we've been in Exodus. It started when the Israelites were captive in Egypt. And it, we said, we, we saw where God told Moses that he, he's heard their cries. We've seen that they have been crying out to God. And we said, this is the way we need to respond. This is how we need to respond in the difficult situations, the struggles, the tough circumstances that we face in life. We need to constantly cry out to God because he is our source of strength. He is the one we need in our life to meet our needs. All right. And, and so we need to always cry out and we don't need to let happen to us what happened to the Israelites. Cause we, as we kept going, we saw that even our rescue route at times can be a place of challenged faith. But what happened is their cries to God turned into complaints to God. And we said, we can't let the, how we're responding and how we're going through the situation we're going through become a place where we begin to complain to God, where we're almost entitled in our faith and saying to God, God, I know better how you should be answering my prayers right now. I don't think you're answering my prayers correctly. And then we looked last week and we said that the Israelites also in this place of challenged faith, they began to, to try to find something else to hold on to, something to help them get through what they were going through. And we said the problem with that, though, is when, we find, when, we're, when we're holding on to something else in life to help us get through what we're going through, what we're holding on to is keeping us from holding on to God. And we said that sometimes we need to let go of what we're trying to hold on to to help us get through what we're going to, through so that we can completely hold on to God and stay focused on him because he is the one that's going to help us in every situation. This week we're going to see that Moses... This leader that's been leading them through this situation is going to learn that it doesn't, life doesn't always work out the way we wish it would, the way we hoped it would work out. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 34. We'll start in verse 1. It says this, Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zor. And then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants. Now, pause right there with me for a minute. And we can just kind of picture this scene. Moses, up on this mountain, looking out over the land that God has promised to them. 
something that he had been working to get towards now for 40 years. That's a long time. That's my life plus three more years. So, I mean, he has been working a long time to get to this moment and he's sitting there on this mountain and he's looking out over it and he's just saying, there it is. There is what God has promised this people years ago. And then God says this to Moses. I've let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab as the Lord had said. And this is where we're at this place. And we read this and we see this in our minds and we're sitting here thinking, wait, what? What? Moses has done all that he has done to lead this stubborn bunch of people to this place in this moment. And this is how it's going to end. It's not supposed to happen this way, right? It's not supposed to go like this. This is obviously not how Moses dreamed the whole thing would happen. You know, this, if this was a book you were reading, you would put it down thinking, well, I've just wasted so much time. If this was a movie or show you were, re- you were watching, you, were, you would walk out frustrated. But let's flash back for a moment. Let's flash back in Numbers chapter 13. It tells us of a situation when they approached the promised land. In Numbers 13, verses 1 to 2, it says, The Lord said to Moses, He said, Send some of the men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. Look at what it says. He says, I am giving it to them. The God of the universe, the creator of the world, their father, Yahweh, is telling him, it's, it's not possible that they might get it. It's not, maybe they can if they go in the right way. He's simply saying, send them in there to see the land that I'm giving them. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So they round up a group of leaders, 12 different individuals. They send them into the land. They're there for several days and they come back and they give their report of what they're looking at. They were there for 40 days. Verse 27 of chapter 13, it says this. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. They're showing the fruit. They were so amazed by the size of the fruit and the milk and honey, that might not excite us. It did them then, right? But they're talking about how great it is, how wonderful that land was. But then they say this, that the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Then in verse 30, they say this, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. And then in verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we cannot attack those people. They are stronger than we are. You remember week one when we were looking at this and God took them out of Egypt and he took them a different way. He didn't take them the quick way. He didn't take them the shorter route. You remember why? Because they knew if they'd have went that way, they'd have seen the Philistines turn around and went right back to Egypt. They're too far removed from Egypt at this point. But God knew their heart. He knew how this people was. And they're too scared to go into the land that God has promised them and God has given them. So now they're not letting their fear send them back to where they were, but they're letting their fear hold them entrapped 
and keeping them away from what God wants to give them. And so now we're going to go back to where Moses is sitting on this mountain and we're wondering, what is, is this going through his mind right now? Is this playing through his mind, this whole situation? Is Moses sitting there thinking, what if? What if I would have just listened to Caleb and also Joshua? When they said, we can surely go in. Instead of listening to the 10 who said, we don't need to go. What if I would have just stepped up and said, God is giving us the land, let's move. If he'd have done that, it's possible that what we see in Numbers 20 wouldn't have happened. When Moses went before the people and they were complaining again, wishing they would have just stayed as slaves in Egypt, wishing they would just stay in the desert. And God tells tells Moses how to get them water to drink. But Moses does it his own way. He adds his own touch to it and he does it out of anger and he strikes a rock. And then God tells him at that moment, because of your disobedience, you won't be able to enter the promised land. You won't lead them into the promised land. So Moses knew when he went up on the mountain and he's looking at this place, he knew he wasn't going to get to go in there because he knew it was a consequence for his actions. But is he sitting there thinking, if I'd have just listened to Caleb and Joshua, that moment possibly would have never happened. I could have been leading them in. I could have led them into that land. But the story forces us to ask a very uncomfortable question in our life. What if, what if I'm never delivered on this earth from whatever it is I'm asking God to deliver me from? What if I never receive on this earth what I'm longing for, what I'm praying for? What if I don't get that wonderful ending to the story that I'm I'm picturing in my mind? What then? What do I do? You know, we said in week one that sometimes situations happen in our life because of decisions we make. We face the consequences of the decision. That's what's happening here with Moses and the Israelites. They've made a lot of consequences or made a lot of decisions because of those decisions. Now they're facing consequences of it. Sometimes situations happen in our life because of something else that someone, something that someone else has done. And then we reap the consequences for someone else's actions. You know, maybe someone walked out on you in your life and now you are faced with the consequences and and dealing with the aftermath of their walkout. Maybe someone has taken advantage of you in some way, shape or form within your life. And now you are having to deal with what they did to you. And sometimes there's no good explanation for why we go through what we go through. I can just feel the joy in the room right now. Several years ago, uh, I think the twins were around five. Our youngest was just a toddler. Uh, we were going to eat at Chick Fil A, and this was uh, this was when we used we played softball still, uh, and church leagues were still happening around here. And uh, there, it was the first game of the season was that night, so we were driving separate because Jenny didn't want to go out to the ball field. She was going to come back home with the kids. So we're going to eat at Chick Fil A though before uh, before the game. And uh, Gretchen rode with Jenny, and the boys rode with me. 
And uh, I was behind Jenny riding. And I was on the phone with Pastor Blunk. He was still here at the time. And we were just talking about, you know, how things are going to play out. Do we know who's going to be there tonight? Because that was always an adventure with softball. Who's going to be there? Um, And so we're talking about this. And then all of a sudden, a truck comes barreling through a stop sign and T-bones my wife right in the side. And I'm riding behind her. It's the only wreck I've ever witnessed in my life. Not one that you, you don't want to witness any wreck. You definitely don't want to witness one that has your wife and daughter in the car. But they hit the side of her car and I watch it get pushed over to the side of the road. And this truck then do spins after hitting it. I'm on the phone with him and I say, uh, I'm not going to be there tonight. Jenny just got in a wreck. We'll see you. Bye. I hung up the phone on him. What a way to hang up on a phone conversation, right? I pull over on the side of the road on the other side of the highway. I, I'm not in my right mind. It was devastating to watch. I was frightened about what was what possibly is just taking place. I pull over on the side of the road. I look back at Griffin, my oldest, and I say, do not get out of this truck. I get out and I run across the street to where my wife and daughter are to see, are you okay? Thankfully, my daughter, for some reason, had sat in the seat behind my wife, not on the other side, the passenger side, which they typically would when they're by ourselves because you've got kind of this angle to mom or whoever's driving. But for some reason that day, she sat right behind Jenny. So that hit on that side, she wasn't right there when they hit. Nobody was on that passenger side because the boys were with me. Was very grateful. Was very thankful. We were very blessed in that moment that all we lost that day was a car. But I'm sitting here and as I'm preparing for that message, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about that moment because that visual has never escaped my mind. And I'm thinking, what a picture of what happens to us and so many people in life. Because we've got kind of how we see life going. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something can happen. And bam, it just crashes into us. It pushes us way off the course from where we were headed. The plans immediately change because of what's in front of us or because of what's just happened. I mean, life can throw us a curveball before we even realize it and we don't know what to do. The thing is, we may not always know and have a reason for why we go through what we go through. But the whole purpose of this series and the whole reason why we've been in this the last few weeks is to hopefully get us to ask a different question, a more important question than just focusing on what we're going through. More than just asking who put me in this situation, more than just asking when am I getting out of it, more than just more than asking why, why, why. To ask how, how am I going to face this struggle? How am I going to get through this struggle? How am I going to respond to what I'm having to face in my life right now? In his book, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl shares his experiences, a number of experiences that he faced when he was in a prisoner during World War II and faced in concentration camps and fears of that nature. He suffered a lot of brutal beatings and pain and many that were with him. But he discovered that there was one thing that could not be taken away from man. 
He shared stories of remembering people when they walked through the huts, comforting others who were hurting. Oftentimes, someone with their last piece of bread would give it to someone else who was in need and hadn't had anything to eat in a very long time. And he watched those experiences playing out and he said, we can have everything taken from us, but there's one thing that can't be taken from us. He said it's suffering in and of itself is meaningless. We give our suffering meaning in the way in which we respond to it. Forces beyond your control can take away everything you possess except one thing. Your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. That cannot be taken from you. See, often there's no satisfying answer to why I'm facing what I'm facing. We can't understand why we're facing what we're facing. But we can give our pain, we can give our struggle meaning by how we face the struggle. I know there's some who are suffering physically in their bodies. They don't know why, but they're suffering physically. There's some who are struggling through broken relationships in their life. There's people who are having to reap the consequences from poor decisions that they've made in their life up until this point. There's some who are just holding on of broken dreams. They're disappointed. They're hurt over that. I know people who are longing to have children and they can't. They've had miscarriage, some multiple miscarriages. They can't have children and they're wondering, why can't I have kids? I know some that are waiting to be able to adopt and they've been waiting and waiting. It's out of their hands, but they're just sitting there waiting, wondering, why have we not been chosen yet? I know people that are sitting on transplant lists, waiting to be called and said, we have this organ for you. Let's schedule the time for you to get this new organ. But they're just waiting. They don't always have the answer to why. And I can't offer you a reason why we face everything we face. But all I can do is encourage us today on how we respond to what we're facing. One thing that we can do is choose to let the struggle transform us. You know, oftentimes people will will choose to go through struggle and pain because of the transformation they long to see on the other side. People will choose to begin to work out and feel the pain in their body because they want to see the transformation on the other side of that workout. They choose to run because they want to see the transformation on the other side of constantly running and going through that in their life. They choose different things. There's so many things that you can choose to go through to put yourself through because you want to see the the transformation on the other side. But maybe consider today. Obviously, we don't want to go through struggle. We don't want to go through pain. But like we said in, in, in the first week, there's probably one thing that's going to happen in their life. We're probably going to go through something at some point in time. And when we do, consider that that struggle, that tough time, that difficulty, that pain, that on the other side of that or through that, transformation can happen in your life. Your character can be transformed. Your values can change. You begin to see yourself valuing things in a way that you didn't value them before. 
consider that, that, that maybe through this situation, you are actually becoming more like Christ. If we allow God to transform us when our faith is challenged, then we'll see ourselves in a place of living faith, abiding in God. Let the struggle transform you, but let it also remind you that you are part of a bigger story than just your story. See, we often, so often get caught up in just our lives that all we're thinking about is our story, our life. But there's a bigger story in what our life should be telling. Moses, he never got to enter the promised land, but Moses was not a failure. If we keep going in Deuteronomy chapter 34, we see this in verse 10. It says, since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. Moses was being spoken of and heralded for years and years and years beyond that moment. Even up until and even up past when Jesus came and walked this earth, Moses was being talked about. His life was not a failure. His life was not meaningless. When we look through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke actually tell us in all three of their accounts, they tell us of a moment when Jesus went up on a mount. It's, it's referred to as the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus was transfigured. All of a sudden, he was dressed in white, and, and his appearance was different, and he was standing there in the presence of God, and there was two people with him all of a sudden. Elijah, and you know who the other one was? Moses. The great prophet, Elijah, and the one who brought the law from God, Moses. On the mount, again, on the mountain with God. Moses had a front row seat to what God was doing throughout the course of humanity. He may not have entered the promised land while he was here on this earth, but he entered it in eternity with God. And he spent that time watching what God was doing. He was a part of a bigger story. The author of Hebrews even had to speak to why Jesus was superior to Moses. Because there was many that didn't want to surrender their following to Moses' teachings to take on what Jesus had done. And in Hebrews chapter 3... We see this. The writer of Hebrews says, starting in verse 4, he says, For every house is built by someone, but God's the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. And then listen to what he says to him. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. He's referring to previous generations of the Israelites, of the Jews. 
as you did in the rebellion during the time of the testing in the desert. What is he talking about? He's talking about the situation that we've looked at these last three weeks. And he says to him, where your fathers tested and tried me. He doesn't refer to them as a group of people that cried out to him. He refers to them as the group of people that tested and tried him. And for 40 years, they saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my, uh, they, they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. He's saying they lost the confidence they had in God when they were crying out to him in Egypt. They lost that confidence. And because in their moment of challenge faith, they turned away from the faith and they began to not believe. Even though God was doing everything he could around them and for them, they wouldn't see God in that moment. All they saw was their struggle. All they saw was what they were suffering through. All they saw was their pain. And whether... And and, and rather than continuing to cry out to God, they stepped back in unbelief. And they didn't get to receive everything that God was wanting to give them. And the writer of Hebrews is warning, don't let this be you. And then he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. In verse 14, he says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Don't quit crying out. Hold on to that faith. Whatever you go through, whatever you face, hold on to that faith. Let it be a part of a bigger story of what God is doing in your life. What you are going through may be equipping you to tell a bigger story. But what Moses did was he submitted to God. Even though he knew that the story wasn't going to end exactly like he wanted it to end. He submitted to God. And he said, you're going to tell a bigger story from this than what I could have told if I'd have tried to write it on my own. He submitted. We need to submit. We need to submit to God. We need to submit to what he's doing in our life. What he's allowing, the way he's growing us, the way he wants to mature us and work in us. And remember, when you submit, you're not submitting in defeat. You are actually submitting to God's victory. You're submitting to his victory over your fear. You're submitting to his victory over your doubt. You're submitting to his victory over your pain. You're submitting to his victory over whatever it is that's going on in your life that wants to bring defeat. But we have to submit to God. To let him work and do in us what needs to be done. Stand with me this morning. Father, as we 
transition in this time of communion to remember what you did for us, Jesus. I pray, Father, that this heart, this word is stirring in our hearts right now. And I pray for anyone today, they may, they may be on the cusp of giving up. They, they may be just saying, I, I, I can't handle it anymore. I've cried out, but I'm not seeing a resolution. Father, I pray today your Holy Spirit encourages them. God, let them never throw away their belief in you. Let, let, let them never walk away from the life that you have called them to live. came in this morning, hopefully you received a communion cup. If you didn't, the ushers are here. If you want to slip up your hand and you didn't get one, the ushers are in the back. They're looking now to see if anyone slips their, slips their hand up and needs, needs one. They'll bring that to you. I just want to encourage you. These are a little bit different. Uh, the wafer's on the bottom, so don't open the juice on top and then turn. That would be bad. Jesus stood before his disciples before he got arrested and he shared a moment of Passover with them and he told them this was the last time he would do this until he would be we would be in eternity with him and Paul encouraged the church of Corinth that as we do this we do this remembering what Christ did and what Christ has done on the cross for us but he told them don't ever do it without considering what you're doing, without reflecting, without thinking about this moment. So I just encourage you right now to just take a moment, reflect over your heart and over your life. And if there's anything like we said last week that needs to be surrendered to God, surrender that in this moment. If there's any way that you need to submit to God, submit to him in this moment give you a moment just to reflect on your life right now. representative of his body that was being broken for them. Scripture tells us that by his stripes we are healed. The pain, the suffering, the struggle that Jesus went through. He did it for you to be your healing in the pain and the struggle that you go through. for us. And we take this way for today, remembering what you did in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. 
Jesus told him the cup represented his blood that would be shed. A blood that would represent the last and final sacrifice that would ever have to be made. There would never be another sacrifice of an animal over the sins of people because Jesus' sacrifice would be it. So when we talk or we sing about the blood of Jesus, we're talking about the blood he shed on a cross when he suffered that suffering for us to have eternal hope in Christ. That even if we don't see the answer the way we want to see it here on this earth, like Moses, we'll see it in eternity with him. His blood was shed for us. So today we take this cup remembering what Jesus did for us and we say, God, please let our life honor the sacrifice and the shedding of blood that you made on the cross for us. Thank you today for the blood that was shed. We do this today in remembrance of you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we are grateful for this day. We are grateful for this time. And Heavenly Father, I pray today for anyone that is in this room or maybe watching online, God, this message may be a lot heavier and harder for some because they are right in the middle of it right now. And they're wondering, what is the answer on the other side? What is the reason for what we're going through right now? Father, today I pray your Holy Spirit be exactly what you said he can be for us in our life. You would be our comfort. You would be their comfort. You would be their peace. You would be that peace that passes all understanding, as Paul said in Philippians. That we don't understand why, but your peace is there. And your your Holy Spirit is going to give us the strength to respond the way we need to respond. God, help us today. Help those that are in the middle of this moment. And Father, we pray that the story that's going to be told days, weeks, months, years from now in these situations like Moses' story would be an incredible story of God's grace, God's power, and God's wonder at work in our life. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We pray that you have a wonderful week this week. Go be catalysts for transformation. Don't forget, 10 o'clock next Sunday. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com. Go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to request prayer or send us anything that you would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803 803- Six seven six seven five six six, and we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.